0: Of the space, but more importantly, there was a spiritual rebuilding of the people of God. And we saw the work that God was doing to build the community, to build the people that He had called into the people that He wanted them to be. And so I want us to spend a little more time with that as we start this new year. Uh, that idea that we examined in the book of Nehemiah and, and start by asking ourselves what kind of church, what kind of community of believers is God working to establish here? What kind of believers, what kind of community does God want us to be? And as we examine that, then let us pursue that together for His glory. We struggle in the West, especially with individualism. Uh, we celebrate it. We think that it's the way that we should go. Uh, but if we look at God's word and if we look at the way that God has created us and what he has commanded us as his people to be, we can see very easily that we are made for community, not for individualism. If God has existed eternally in community as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we are created in His image, then we can argue from Scripture that we too are made for community. We are made for one another. The book of Acts shows us a couple of scenes of what the community of God, what the people of God look like, As they were gathered together, Acts spends a lot of time focusing on the mission spreading, the church spreading, and the good news of Jesus Christ spreading to the world. But there are some scenes that show us what the body looked like as the church was getting started shortly after Jesus' crucifixion. And I want us to look at one of those passages. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Our sermon is titled Gospel-Driven Community. Acts 4, verse 32 through 35. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common. With great power... The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was on them all, or on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all of those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We confess it is true again today, and we ask that you shape us by these truths, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit to the truth that is here, and help us believe and help us respond accordingly in order to live lives, in order to become the church that you desire us to be. For your glory, God, it's in Christ's name we pray these things, amen. So as we work through these few verses from Acts chapter 4, I want us to uh, consider what it looks like to be a gospel-driven community. What we see in these verses that the early church looked like as they were a gospel-driven community. So the first thing that we see from this text is gospel-driven community experiences supernatural unity. Gospel-driven community experiences supernatural unity. Verse 32. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions were his own. But instead, they held everything in common. So look at two different components of this supernatural unity here. Here. The first is, they were of one heart and mind. One heart and one mind. And this was not just some of the believers. This was not just the majority of the believers. It says the entire group. The whole group of believers, thousands of people, probably by this point in time, Over 10,000 people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and the entire group of those who had believed were of one heart and one mind. That's a supernatural work of God. That's not something that we can do on our own. What this means is the group was not focused on personal interests. The group was not focused on personal agendas. They weren't pushing their own preferences. This was not a natural thing for a group of people that had come together. God was working in a supernatural way to unite these thousands of people together with one heart, with one mind. And that's not normal for us to function like that with a group of people who are from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures, different beliefs. That's not our normal response to be one heart and one mind with one another. Just think about if you're if you look for a church, we often think in terms of like, well, I want a church like this and you fill in the blank or I want a church that does this and you fill in the blank, we think personal terms, personal feelings, our own likes and desires. But the early church didn't function that way. They were united together in their common faith in Jesus Christ. And that is what united them. That is what made them One, and it is a supernatural unity that only God can do. It's what God desires, and it's what God was creating in the church. Through the work of Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, God was uniting them with this one heart and one mind. E.D. Schmitz describes this as this unity that we hear here in the In the early church, was not a unity among common personal feelings. They didn't unite around things that they liked or political beliefs or other things that they all shared in common. It was not common personal feelings, but on a cause greater than the individual. Unity on a cause greater than the individual. It's what Paul calls for believers in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Verse 2. Make my joy complete by thinking the same way. Having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Paul instructed the Philippians as we live out this unity that God has given the church. This one heart, one mind, one love that God has created in us on on Jesus Christ. And it should be that we have one purpose as we come together. That purpose is the mission that, that Jesus has given the church. So the first part of supernatural unity that God is establishing in his people is that one heart, one mind unity. The second part that we see in that same verse is a sharing of possessions with one another. So the second part of verse 32 says no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. Sharing of everything says no one said this is. Something that I've earned. This is something that I have. None of the believers function that way. They functioned saying, what's mine is yours. That's not normal for us. Think about if you have children, it's so sweet when they start learning their words, right? Dada it's always first. Uh, it is. <laughs> so, Dada, oh man, loved it every time. That first time, you just light up. Mama, so sweet. But then something happens, and no one teaches it to them. Yet we probably do. Like 16 months, 18 months, they learn a word. Mine! They walk up to their siblings and snatch the toy from them. Mine! And run away with it. That's what's normal for us, is to think individually, to think what's ours. I've earned this. This is mine. But in the early church, no one functioned like this anymore. They functioned thinking, what's mine is my brothers and sisters too. They had, what, with the the supernatural work of God, learned... What David prayed in First Chronicles, which was, God, everything we have is from you. Everything that is my possession, it came from the Lord. And God had taught them that, and in a supernatural way, the church started to live that out and say, I will gladly share with my brothers and sisters What's mine is yours. So, the kind of unity that brings the people together from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different genders, different cultures, different preferences, different likes and dislikes, and unites them as one, one heart and mind, that's a supernatural work of God. And the kind of unity... That unites a group of people together to the point that they are so united that no one thinks in terms of individually, this is my property, this is something that I owned, but thinks of it as corporately, this is for the good of all of my brothers and sisters. That's a supernatural work of God. This is what God was establishing in the church. He sent his son, Jesus, for this purpose. He's placed his spirit in the church and in us as believers to produce this type of unity in us. So church, let's pursue that kind of unity. God's already established it through Jesus Christ and with the work of the Holy Spirit in us individually and in the church. That's what God has established for us. It's what he desires for us. So church, let's pursue that. Let's pursue becoming a people that are so committed to Jesus that we live on mission and it shocks the world that a group of people like us would be able to unite around that purpose. Because when we live that way, it doesn't make sense in worldly terms. But God, in a supernatural way, is producing that in us. So let's pursue that in this year and in our lives and in this church. So first, gospel-driven community experiences supernatural unity. The second thing we see in this text in Acts 4 is this. Gospel-driven community keeps Jesus at the center. Gospel-driven community keeps Jesus at the center. And of course we think, well, yeah, of course, The church would keep Jesus at the center. Of course, believers would keep Jesus at the center. But the reality is there's a constant temptation to put something else at the center. But gospel-driven community keeps Jesus at the center. Verse 33 in Acts 4. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And great grace was on all of them. The message of the apostles as the church is growing continued to be the message of Jesus. The message that Jesus Christ died for our sins and on the third day God raised him back to life. They didn't transition to thinking, well, we want to become more relevant to our people and so let's find a good self-help message that might draw in more of a crowd. They didn't think we want the people to have fun and maybe that'll bring in more unbelievers. So let's do something really fun. They maintained their focus on Jesus Christ and the good news of the Gospel. Jesus died for us. In Jesus, you can have forgiveness. And the Western church and each of our hearts struggles keeping Christ at the center. But what we should pursue is what Paul says... To the Corinthians as he declares what his message was. 1 Corinthians 2. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Completely focused on Jesus, and the good news of the gospel was Paul's message to the Corinthians. He reminds them of that there. So, church, in 2024, both in our individual lives and in our church, let's keep Jesus at the center. And yes, we know it's like, well, of course we're going to do that. But we have to recognize that the temptation is always there. To put something else at the center of our lives and our focus. So let's ask the questions. Is what we are doing grounded and informed by and shaped by the good news of the gospel? Is what we are doing focused on remembering the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us and spreading that good news to others? Not our preferences, not our entertainment but Jesus at the center of it all and the message of Christ crucified and resurrected. Third, that we'll see in this, is gospel-driven community practices sacrificial care. Gospel-driven community practices sacrificial care. Now in verse 32 and verse 34 and 35, they kind of have some uniting themes about sharing all things and then the way that they cared for one another with their things. But right in the middle was that verse we just looked at. They continued on with the testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then what did God do? God's great grace was on all of them is what verse 33 said. So as they were united together, and they stayed focused on Jesus, God's grace was on them. And that's going to affect how they live with one another, how they interact and care for one another. So gospel-driven community practices sacrificial care. And that message of Jesus is central to why they practice that kind of care. So verse 34 and 5, for these I'm sorry for there was not a needy person among them because all who owned lands or houses sold them brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet this was then distributed to each person as any had need they willingly gave up possessions that they had in order to care for one another it said there was not a needy person among them in the body of believers. There was not one believer there that had need because they were so impacted by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and so united by that sacrifice that they wanted to live a life that looks like what Jesus lived for them. See, Christ had given up everything for the believers. He laid down his life for them. And so the early church took that and realized we should meet the needs of the people here by sacrificing. If the reason we're united together is because of Jesus and Jesus gave up everything for us, then we can gladly share with others who have needs here. So church, we need first off to pursue deeper relationships with one another. If we're going to be able to care for and meet one another's needs, we're going to have to pursue relationships with one another to be able to know what kind of needs are there, what kind of physical needs, what kind of financial needs, what kind of spiritual needs are there. If all we do is have the casual hello, how are you doing on Sunday mornings, when we've all painted our faces on to make sure it looks like we've got it all together, If that's the only interactions that we have, it's hard to know when there's actual needs. So we need deeper relationships with one another. So I would encourage each of us, pursue relationships with with other brothers and sisters a part of this church. God desires that for us. Let's commit to spending time together. And then as we learn of needs in this body... Let's ask the Lord, God, loosen my grip on my things. And if if what I have can be used to care for the needs of my brothers and sisters, loosen my grip and let's give to care for one another. Let's be a demonstration of the love that Jesus had for us, who gave everything for our needs. Church, we need one another So we've started today by looking at community, a gospel-driven community. God's created the church to give us exactly what we need in relationships. And so would you join with us this year in pursuing that kind of community, the community that God's establishing Would you pursue that with us this year? A group of believers driven by the good news of the gospel. A group of believers that are supernaturally knit together. It doesn't make sense to the world. A group of believers that keeps Jesus at the center of it all. And a group of believers that sacrificially cares for one another whenever a need arises because that's what god has established for us and because that's what god desires for us let's pursue these things for his glory let's pray god we thank you for your faithfulness to us we thank you for the gift of the church The global church and the gift of Dogwood Church, we thank you. Lord, keep shaping us through the power of your spirit into the people you desire us to be. Focus us on the mission that you desire for your people and lead us in paths of obedience. For your name's sake, God.